grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And we wrap up this series on the life of Joshua called When God Calls You. As sin is serious, Achan and his entire family bore the full weight of his sin. Today, Jesus bears the weight of our sin for us. So how will you respond? How will you choose to live differently because of God's mercy? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available all for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. Look for the Give tab right there at reallife.org. Pastor Sean is now in Joshua chapter 7. The message today is called How He Leads. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. I'm wrapping up this little series that we've had called Joshua, When God Calls You. We've been focusing on God's preparation and calling of Joshua. And he's a unique character because he had such huge shoes to fill, didn't he? He had to follow Moses. And that was an incredible, daunting task that he had to step up to. And I think we have seen, I hope you've seen, that each of these weeks, as we've talked about these things, they apply to us because God has a unique call on every one of us. He has an assignment for each of us. He has an assignment for you. We talked about how Moses might be dead, but our God is alive and well. The beauty is, I think we should expect the call that we receive to be bigger than us, something that seems bigger than our ability. But the challenge is, don't be afraid, he'll be with you just like he's been with great leaders before you. You've seen other things. You go, wow, how did that happen? How did they accomplish that? I want to tell you how they accomplished that. God was with them, and he empowered them. And so he's going to be with you just like that. His call represents an entire life change. It's not just kind of one little area, but it's the whole thing. We illustrated this by the idea of the land of promise, the promised land. It's not just a place you visit. It's somewhere you live. It's a whole new lifestyle. As he leads, we saw God wants to build your faith by giving you faith stories of your own. It's great to have other people's stories. They're awesome. But he wants to do things in you. So we're not sitting going, well, I knew a guy who knew a guy whose uncle had this great thing that God did for him. But instead, you can say, let me tell you what God's done for me. Your story is powerful. And God wants to give you powerful faith stories all of your own. He never said it would be easy. There will be battles. But the secret is simply focusing more on who's with you than who or what is against you. And we get all caught up in what the opposition is instead of going, wait a minute, God is with us. Now, one of the things I absolutely love is that the Bible doesn't sugarcoat. Some people say, oh, no, the Bible's not real. They're just myths and fables. Let me tell you, if anybody's writing myths and fables, there are some things that they include. It's like, okay, who would include this? And today we're going to look at one of those passages. The Bible shows you the whole picture, warts and all, and we're going to see some of those. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 7. We're going to see a major setback. Joshua chapter 7. You're like, why would you end on a setback? Because I think there's a powerful warning. I think God does have a call in our lives. I think he does have assignments. But how we carry those out really matters. And that's what I want to leave us with. So Joshua 7, I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. It says, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. They had just conquered Jericho. Incredible miracle. Okay? Powerful things. And the next words, beginning of chapter 7, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. And then we're given a name. Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. 
the devoted things. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon to the east of Bethel, and he told them, go up, spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. They had taken Jericho, and now they were moving in deeper into the promised land. And so he had them spy out this next city. When they returned they, they, to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or 3,000 men to take it. Don't weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Which people? God's people. Now up to this point, everything had been going well. Everything had been falling before them. God had been parting the rivers, dropping, you know, breaking down the walls. And everybody else's hearts were melting in fear. All of a sudden, this happens. And i got to tell you, your, your response is like, what happened? This is an unbelievable 180 in the story of Joshua and in his leadership. Now, the passage gives us a couple of observations. First, a man named Achan took what we call devoted things. We talked about these. These are things, when they say devoted, they were devoted to the Lord. In fact, the whole city of Jericho, they weren't supposed to take anything for spoils. This city was to be devoted to the Lord. Other cities, they were able to take spoils. This, everything from it was to go to the Lord's service, to the Lord's house. This is how the Levites were provided for. This is how the worship ministry was provided for. So they literally, Achan was stealing from the God who just gave you Jericho and is leading you into this land of promise. He was doing these miracles on your behalf. You are literally stealing from him. And it's a violation of worship. You and I, this might seem like a strange idea. To them, it wouldn't have been. This was a very clearly understood instruction, very clearly understood concept that there was this God among us and the house of worship, the Levites, the whole thing is part of our responsibility. The devoted things belonged only to him. And Achan took some of them. See, this is a a, a sin, a violation of worship. And I want to suggest to you a lot of sin is just rooted in this idea of something else is going to be first. If you think about Romans 1, it talks about how professing to be wise they became fools and how they refused to exalt God in their heart but instead exalted self. And all the different sin that came as a result of that. That's the core of the sin nature. I'm going to have some, there's a throne on my heart that belongs only to the king, only to Father, only to God. And when I or anything else is on that throne, that first place, it's a violation of worship. And so this was a very literal violation of worship. It's interesting because it started out by saying the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to devoted things. Does the Israelites, the Lord's anger burned against Israel, not just Achan, but he's the only guy who took anything. That's an interesting concept. I want us to point that out because his sin cost all of Israel. Huge defeat, 36 lives, 36 people lost a loved one, an unbelievable shame. Now, I want to suggest there's more because if you noticed, they were a little bit presumptuous, weren't they? There was a little bit of presumption, presumptuous. Uh, presumption, because they sent these spies up, and they're like, no, no, we don't need to send the whole army. Just send a few thousand. It's a little city. It's insignificant. So there's this sense, and notice they didn't stop and inquire of the Lord. Everywhere else along the way, they stopped and inquired of the Lord. Well, they didn't. It's just like, we're on a roll, baby. You know, everything we touch, is, everything we touch turns to gold. And so they just thought they'd bowl on through, and they discovered that they weren't going to. They went off half-cocked, dare I say, overconfident. 
So this passage goes on. It tells us that Joshua and the elders fall and repent face down before the Lord. They're like, Lord, what's going on? They ask, why did you bring us here? God, please forgive us, whatever it is. And then Joshua says, Lord, the Canaanites are going to hear, and they're going to be emboldened to come and try to destroy us. Then what will become of your great name, your glory among all these people? Listen to how the Lord, in verse 10, we're going to skip down to verse 10, listen to how the Lord addresses Joshua. There's almost a little bit of frustration. And, and here's what he says. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They've taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen. They've lied. They've put them with their own possessions. That's why the Israelites can't stand against their enemies. They turn their back and run because they've been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Um, For Joshua and God's people, God had cleared the way for them. They had been following him in the wilderness. The idea that he would not be with them is unthinkable. They're halfway through this mission that God has been walking them through. He says, go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. The family the Lord chooses shall come forward man by man. Whoever is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. And so they begin to do it. They know God's serious. And there's a, I mean, this is heavy. It's like go from total party and celebration this defeat, and then this. And so they begin to have every tribe, all the different tribes of Israel, these huge tribes, come before them. No, not you, not you. Yep, the tribe of Judah, you guys come. And then each clan, no, no, yep, you, come on. And within the clan, each family, no, you guys, come here. And then finally, it's Achan, it's you. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Can you imagine how that felt? It's like he knew all along, right? He knew what he had done was wrong. And now this whole big, and they haven't yet said what this is about. They've just said there are devoted things missing it. And nobody else knows, Achan knows. And all of a sudden, they come through and they're choosing. And we don't know how the Lord is revealing. Yeah, not this tribe, this tribe, not this clan, this clan. We don't know, but he just is. Until all of a sudden, Achan, and it's you. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called How He Leads in the series Joshua, When God Calls You, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 
302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, How He Leads. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Picking up at verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you've done, and do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It's true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them, and I took them. Listen, they are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Um, it's evidence he knew what he was doing was wrong. This was not like, wow, God, uh, Joshua, I had no idea. If I would have known this was frowned upon, I certainly wouldn't have done it. Okay, that is, that He can't. They're literally hidden. He knew what he was doing, and he tried to hide it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out before the Lord. Um, imagine how those things looked to Achan. Imagine how they looked when they were taking Jericho. Really nice robe, some silver, some gold. Imagine how they looked when he, by his own admission, coveted them and took them. And imagine how they looked to him now, laid out. Then Joshua, together with all of Israel, took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons, his daughters, his cattle, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all of Israel stoned him, and after they'd stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remain to this day as of the writing of the passage. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. Um, God's not playing. And we look at that and we think, how unfair, how harsh. God is encoding in the DNA of an entire people group. His love for them his protection for them, and the seriousness of sin and the danger it is to everything about their way of life. And there's this sense of, my gosh, this is serious. And I think if that's the sense, we're beginning to get it. We're beginning to catch on. See, I think it's the curse of carelessness. It's the curse of carelessness. I think that's what they got caught up in. I think they got caught up in the curse of carelessness. 
It's funny thing. Success can make you feel invincible and become careless. It's when I'm successful that I think I'm most vulnerable. I've seen that in my life. You ever notice that? You ever notice you have a few, few big wins and things are kind of rolling for you? Ever notice maybe you're not driven to pray quite as much? There's not quite that sense of urgency. You kind of start coasting and you kind of begin to think you've got the Midas touch and you just kind of get, can get careless. It's fascinating. They didn't inquire of the Lord. And I'm not talking about Achan right now. I'm just talking about Joshua and the leaders. They didn't. It said, never mentioned they prayed. Never mentioned they inquired of the Lord. They just had sent the spies. Oh, we don't need to do much. Just send a few thousand guys. And of course, they were devastated. I wonder if they would have stopped and prayed if um, they could have saved that hassle if God would have told them, no, no, you can't go forward because there's a problem. There's someone who has devoted things. If he would have told them in prayer before, I think he would have. But they got careless because they were on a roll. Everybody was afraid of them. They'd crossed the Jordan River without a problem. It's a miracle. They'd taken out Jericho. It's a miracle. That's what happens sometimes. I think it's those times of victory and success that we have to be most cautious and careful. In fact, a number of years ago, there was, in a, in a particular amount of time, a significant rash of flying accidents for single-engine planes all across North America. So the Aviation Association did a comprehensive study, and they studied the 40 most recent fatal accidents involving serious aircrafts. And there were a few things they learned that jumped out instantly. First of all, um, all but one of the accidents listed pilot-related causes as the cause of the accident. There were pilot errors, something with the pilot. Only one was a problem with the plane. Second, and, and most surprisingly and most significantly, most of the accidents were caused by experienced pilots. Experienced pilots were responsible for the majority of the accidents. A few of them were caused by pilots with less than 150 hours of flight time. But over 75% of the accidents were caused by pilots with over 400 hours of flight time. Became apparent these pilots assumed that because they already had lots of hours under the belt, they could cut corners and get sloppy. By contrast, beginning pilots with fewer hours were extremely careful. They were meticulous, even painstaking in their pre flight routines. Inspected every particular rivet of the airplane because they were inexperienced. They did everything by the book, they did their checklists by the book. The more experienced pilots didn't as much. The study concluded that pilots who get overconfident and stop pursuing ongoing safety training are four times more likely to have a fatal accident. I'm afraid sometimes in our faith, we can get that kind of carelessness. We can get presumptuous on God and go, oh man, things are going okay, God loves me, he's got things going well for me, and we can just kind of start to coast. And we can get struck by the curse of carelessness. Carelessness crops up a number of different ways if you stop and think about it. How about the carelessness of sin or moral compromise? Shortcuts. We've all seen it. We've all seen people take shortcuts in the context of moral behavior, ethics. 
like, oh, I got away with it before. And so I take another step, another step, another step. And we are become careless of sin. Or careless with time. We can become careless with our time. Presumptuous. We can get into a hurry and kind of just rush through. We can even become wasteful with our time. Careless in relationships. We can begin to use people instead of seeing people as a gift of God. God created people. He loves people. And we can get caught up in this habit of just using people. Stop and think about it. I mean, we, we even have we even have lunches. We call them network lunches. And I really enjoy network lunches. You know, but when you stop and think about it, so many times we go to a network lunch and the kind of thought is, how can I use the people here to promote my business? And we can really get into a bad habit. Instead of seeing each person as someone who is a possible relationship or someone who God really loves and cares about and gave his life for, we begin to see people as things to be used. We become careless in relationships or carelessness towards God. It's like, thanks God, I appreciate it. Thank you for your forgiveness and eternal life and all. Um, but I got it from here. And if I need you, I'll call. I'll check in. And we get careless towards God. Well, if Joshua could stand before us today, he and some of the people who are with him, they learned a very powerful lesson. I think this is what he would say to us. I think he would say, where God leads matters, but how he leads matters just as much. Where God leads matters promised land was important it wasn't incidental but understand it wasn't all that this was about he wasn't just delivering his people to a land he was building a people and in the same way god has an amazing call for you he has assignments for us he has things that he wants us to do to step up with more than just kind of being on the treadmill and just spinning our wheels but where god leads matters but how he leads matters just as much There's processes along the way that God wants to teach us, and they change the way we carry out these assignments. When we first began this ministry, we had these principles that God taught us. In fact, for two years, we kind of started the church and just kind of were meeting together, but God didn't allow us to go public. And you know, you say, how did he stop you? Well, we just knew. We just knew we're not supposed to go public. And it felt like we were in a time of training and discipline. And he taught us a set of ministry principles. And we started to notice, hey, these, he's teaching us these things that while they seem very basic in the Christian faith on one level, boy, when it comes to actual operations and how we operate, these are very different. And if we operate by these, a lot of the stuff that we were trained in or a lot of stuff we see other people do, I'm not talking evil. I'm just talking about the kind of standard operating procedures. They're kind of going to go out the window. And we really saw these principles, they became kind of a, almost at times like they were tying our hands in some ways in the context of what our ministry was. And to the extent that they were tying our hands from operating the flesh, they really were. They were a restriction in that. But we found that they were a gift to God. Some of the principles were, were like, for example, our call is not to do, but to be men and women of God. And you're like, well, duh, that's pretty simple. Well, yeah, but operationally, our natural tendency is to be doers. Okay, God, we've got our assignment. Now we want to go make it happen. We want to build something. We want to do it our way. We want to kind of use all the resources we have. We want to get the credit for it. And it's all about what we're doing, what we're doing. And, and God said, no, no, I, I've got assignments for you, but your, your main thing, your main call is not to do it, but it's to be, to be men and women of God. It's a relational call. That's first. 
Everything else flows out of that. Your assignments actually will change. You know, your assignment, your job, um, your assignment, particularly in your family right now, all, all those things, they can change over time. Your call never does. Your call is to be a man or woman of God. My assignment right now is to be lead pastor of River City. I don't know. I can't presume how long God will have me do that or if he might have another assignment down the road. But my call will never change. My call is to be a man of God. All of our calls are to be men and women of God. And so the second principle was related to that. It's like, okay, well, if that's true, then our most important ministry assignment is prayer. And for those of us who are activists and even a little hyperactivist, okay, you know what I mean. Okay, this is not easy. I believe in prayer. I've seen God work through prayer. But so often my first instinct is to do, is to fix. And the Lord's saying, no, 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 you, you've got to understand. That's, how, that's a surefire formula for operating in your own strength and operating in the flesh. I want to teach you something different. I want to teach you to tap into a supernatural power, but that only happens through prayer. In prayer, you find provision. In prayer, you find vision and wisdom and direction. In prayer, you find, find answers to questions. You find protection. All these things, the supernatural aspect of God's power is appropriated through prayer. And that had to change because it wasn't just something that you do, you know, afterwards. Oh, well, all we can do is pray. You know, we've done everything we can. Now all we can do is pray. No, it's like, no, 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 no. Let's change that around. First thing we do is engage the Almighty, get his vision and his wisdom, and set out then to follow. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called How He Leads in the series Joshua, When God Calls You, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.